0: Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Stories from the Shore, Shore, Rancid Tofu 2018. It's the last episode of 2018. We're almost done. It's being recorded on December 30th. <laughs> and we're looking back at all of 2018. At least the stuff I can remember and that I thought worth talking about in this little document I wrote up. And what to look forward to in 2019. So let's look back first at the steaming pile of shit that was all the bad that happened in 2018. A very recent one, James Mattis resigned or was fired from being the Secretary of Defense for the United States Armed Forces. And the reason why James Mattis resigned was because he disagreed with Donald Trump on how to treat our allies and how Trump just basically talked to the President of Turkey and then a lot of things happen he's like well we're gonna pull out of fighting isis which pulling out of fighting isis like let's stop our forces from being deployed permanently all over the place to fight tiny terrorist groups that are pretty much can only do shit in the region but there is a good reason to be concerned about them when they do other attacks elsewhere in the world that being said the way that this happened was just terrible and the fact that Trump sped up Mattis's resignation. He was originally going to leave in February, but now he's got to be out of there by the end of tomorrow because Trump's got a new pick in and doesn't like the idea of Mattis sticking around. Trump ego causing a lot of problems. Mattis was a great guy, a great general of the U.S. Marines, and was, by all accounts, a great leader of the Secretary of Defense. So, you know, that's bad that he's gone. Uh, I mean, I I I could go on about this. It just it it, it pisses me off that this is how um uh, how how do I say this without being retarded? It just it pisses me off that here's a man who's dedicated his entire life. He's known as the warrior monk. He studies combat and all this stuff. He's very smart when it comes to fighting an enemy. He knows how to do it. He also talks to our allies. He spent a lot of time. Reassuring NATO and many other nations, what was going on? He wasn't prodding um, China and and um, Russia like others have. He was trying to build a unilateral understanding of where the United States stood in the world and how our allies can talk to each other and how we can all be, you know, good guys together. And Trump talks to the president of Turkey and makes a decision and. Mattis says, no, that's the wrong decision, and Trump's like, well, get out of my government. (laughs) I mean, that's simplifying it, but that's probably how it went down. Also, speaking of Turkey, Turkey was able to make Google delete from Google Maps and Google Earth, and I don't know if this was just in Turkey or worldwide, uh, the region of Kurdistan. Let's just quickly go on to the Maps function right now, because I want to see if Kurdistan still shows up for Google Canada will just do a quick test, and if it does, if it does, great. And so it looks like uh, uh yeah it 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 totally looks like they've uh pretty much just thrown it back to Turkey instead of calling it the uh Kurdistan <laughs> the Kurdistan region yeah that's that's absolutely great uh great thing uh that's not very nice Turkey so there's that. Uh, let's just work down the list. E3 was disappointing this year for Sony. I mean, sure, they had The Last of Us, but boy, that was a weird thing. Um, it was just the weird thing of how they did Last of Us Part Two, and then had to have this 10-minute intermission to switch over to their main venue. Or then they showed this awesome, awesome uh, game involving Samurai, but it was like that transition was really weird. Uh, another th- weird th- Bad thing that happened. Marijuana legalization in Canada is a bit toss, uh, has similar problems with what's going on in California, where California, the regulations are making it very hard to make money. There's not enough producers, not enough growers, uh, not enough dispensaries. There's very limited supply. The dispensaries are running out. The black market is coming back to fill in the void. Uh, we're seeing similar things in Canada, where it really hasn't worked out as well as it could have been. Plus, a lot of local and mid-level government, so I'd say provincial or in the United States, the state-level government has gone out of its way to restrict where you can do it or where you can buy it or local bans and all this. It's like, okay, we federally legalized marijuana in Canada and then we've given the monopoly of its production in Quebec to Quebec, the government, which hasn't done that good of a job distributing it, um... The sellers in Ontario had to go through the Ontario government, which system wasn't that good. Alberta, I don't think there were many problems. There just weren't, there aren't a lot of places selling it because it's very hard to get permits to set up locations to do it. And Kensington, where my brother lives, had the most, the community of Calgary, uh, Kensington. And it seems like it's just, it, which should have been a slam dunk easy way of like, hey, here's a way to get marijuana legalized, reducing criminal activity uh and stuff like this and then it was just but let's also throw four thousand extra uh layers of red tape on the way to make it so that this actually stops being a criminal enterprise and becomes a civilly supportable enterprise that actually has an income to the government and provides jobs for regular people like okay legalization of marijuana two good reasons for it it reduces people going to prison for marijuana which reduces the burden on taxpayer And also creates taxable income through jobs, through sales, and all this stuff. But let's throw out the taxable income. Let's just say it's creating good jobs that that didn't exist before. And the one good thing about Canada versus the United States is that Canada, because it's a federal thing, our banks can actually take the money versus the United States where the banks still won't touch it, most of it. (coughs) Um, So they got to work on that. But there are problems. There are problems. I'll give credit to uh, San Francisco, though. Uh, I think I said this in an ep- earlier episode, but they vacated all convictions re- about marijuana, uh, regarding marijuana possessions, like and beefs related to that, uh, and criminal cases related to that. Like, I think going back to 80- 1986, that's pretty ballsy of that prosecutor to decide to do that, and pretty good because imagine if you were trying to get a job and all you had was a criminal possession of marijuana in 1993. And that stopped you from getting a job. Now that won't. Because marijuana is legal. (laughs) And that that is what should have happened in Canada. I think that could still potentially happen in Canada. And it would be nice to avoid that. Because then you could travel to the United States. Because that criminal case would be completely wiped out. And the Americans wouldn't even know that you had it. Although they probably would. But we just tell them, like, no, that's gone. That's a sealed record now. That's that's a vacated case. We're not going to do that. Uh, the energy sector in Alberta suffering because of the Trudeau government not being uh, good enough to get more access to larger markets for our oil and all that crap. Also, Notley and all the social progressive bullshit that's just going on in Canada wasn't very good. Also, the uh, weird elections that have happened in Canada. I mean, we got a conservative government in Ontario, although I'm not particularly happy with how it's going. The same with the conservative government in Quebec, which is more separatist and more Quebec ideologue and identitarian than it is like, hey, we're conservative because we want to defend a, a unified Canada and making sure our system works. It's, they're, they're still all very much uh, just out for themselves. I think Doug Ford less than the guy who got elected in Quebec, but again, it's this that's this problem of it's, and what I view, it's the reactionary of we're jumping from one end to the other too quickly again, and it's probably going to happen in Alberta when uh, the NDP go up for election next year, because that's definitely going to go conservative here in the province of Alberta. I think, you know, maybe by some miracle it might become more of a libertarian or a more centrist viewed party that d- supports the oil industry by saying like we're not going to get in your way but don't you're not getting handouts and also does the same thing of like we're not going to put crap in people's way we're not going r- <coughs> to run deficits to fund um what would be the phrase uh to to basically fund union jobs that shouldn't be unionized and not pu- pushing up uh income tax not pushing up uh, income artificially via minimum wage regulations because, uh, you know, that affects everything all the way down. So there's that. Um, another bad thing to look back on is <laughs> Trump on Twitter. I mean, President Trump had a pretty crazy year. I mean, he's the president, but still, it's. Is he demeaning to the office? I don't think so. <laughs> but. There wasn't really a good choice between him and Hillary Clinton. And even though I'm happy that it wasn't Hillary Clinton, I'm not sure I'm happy that it was him. Like I think it was sort of like, you had the two worst possibilities, and it wasn't really a lesser of two evils. If I was an American, I don't know how I would have voted in the 2016 presidential election. And then we had, of course, the midterm elections, which went as how midterm elections always go. The party who won the presidency you sh- in the you- previous election, usually loses the House and has a chance of losing the Senate. This one, it was the Republicans when they lost the House, they still hold the Senate. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't this big election that was brought out on, and there's various other stories you could look forward to. You could go on to um, Tim Pool's Tim Cast and watch uh, his stuff about it. And You know, it wasn't it wasn't this amazing push that people were thinking it was going to be. But not, not saying that... Uh, the election was important. Uh, But still, like... Somebody needs to take Donald Trump's access to Twitter away from him. And I get that it's important the president talks to the people, but the way he does it, even if it's not him, but even if it's staff writing, it's like, oh, you just don't help the situation ever. (coughs) Because... I get these um, very, very smart people (coughs) at the State Department or various other departments, now granted, I'm going to be called a deep statist because I support some of these people, but sometimes you get a job in government because you're pretty damn good at it, or at least you try to. In some departments, you try to be a good guy uh, and girl and trying to do like, you know, good work, trying to help the government reduce costs and reduce problems that get happened and it doesn't always work out, but sometimes you get that and then you spend all this time working very hard and then Trump sees something and is like, that's my opinion, put it out there and it's like, well, my three months of trying to get this t- trade deal or this negotiation with somebody just went down the hole because of dummy. <clears throat> like, oh, yeah, we're going to build a wall. And Mexico's going to pay for it. It's like, well, yeah, Mexico's not paying for it. I mean, I understand why they want a wall. Controlling immigration is important for a sovereign state. <coughs> But still, speaking of which, let's talk about the immigration crises and all that stuff going on. Still happening. Uh, it's definitely reduced in Europe, and we've had a bit of it in Canada. Mm. Which Canada has a generally better response towards it than the United States has been going. We we're, We are humanitarian, but there are points where we don't go. And I keep reading about these issues where... Immigration courts are sending people back, and it's like, uh, you know, they, they tug at your heartstrings, but there is a way to do things. And it would be nice if things are done the correct way, and sometimes they're not, and sometimes it's because people forget, Sometimes it's because the government causes a problem. You know, less government saying that you can't immigrate or you have to do all these things and then you get it all done and you send them in the government's like well actually we changed our mind or we told we you missed a step that's three steps back that you have to do like now your time limit's run out it's like oh god so there's all that bs and then uh, continuing on liberty memes uh, liberty memes 1 2 and 3.0 on facebook uh, got deleted zuckered uh, get get sucked 3 times all three of them got zucked, and it was embarrassing. Like cause Liberty, Liberty Memes one and two got zucked relatively close to each other. Liberty Memes three held on for a while, and then got zucked uh, on the twenty uh, on the twenty eighth or twenty ninth, I believe. I think it was the twenty eighth late at night. They got zucked, and it's like, really, really, you're gonna wipe that out Liberty Memes three. And apparently there was no reason why wiping it out. Now, sure, they could say, like, oh, you violate the community standards and all this BS that is arbitrary, but Liberty Memes was a funny place to go. Now, I still have access to Liberty Memes uh, via the Patreon uh, account and the community group which still gives me X to all sorts of stuff as does the memes uh, the crippling depression for suicidal people memes which are absolutely hilarious <laughs> if you don't if you can't laugh at them like don't stick around but that's all the thing is like a lot of these groups are you go there cuz you agree or you think it's funny why do people go into facebook and then go fishing around for stuff they hate and just reporting it like why can't you just stay in your own yard why do you have to leave your little property Drive three, drive across three, forget, like this is a, 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 I'm rambling here, but this is an example in my mind that's sort of, um, I'm bringing it out of the digital world into the material world, making an anecdote. This isn't the best way to do it, but I think this is how my mind thinks. So it's like, so there's some guy across your city my city or something like that, you know, he's on the opposite side of the city, so if you live in the northwest, he's in the southeast, far southeast, and he does one thing on his yard that you don't like so you have to leave your house drive all the way down there and say you're offended to him about because he decided to put a tree in the wrong place and you're going to complain and complain to the city government and complain to the homeowners association and all that and, and, and to the community association and all this bullshit just to get him taken out, it's like bitch, you don't even live here why the fuck are you annoying this guy and that's how I feel about like the digital space. And I know the digital space is like Facebook is not is a privately held company. They can do what they want. <laughs> but <clears throat> there also is a thing where you should communicate with your users about what you're going to do and at least inform them of their actions. It's it's you don't always have to, but it's polite because then they know like, oh, you don't want us on this platform. We are going to go seek out another one instead of just like they deleted us. Why did you delete us? Tell us why you deleted us, so we'll avoid that. Oh, and if somebody del- and if you delete us because people reported us, why do they report us, and why do we not get a chance to appeal, and why do we not say, well, these people have come from outside to complain? Uh, actually, let's do a better anecdote. It would be like somebody living in India, flying to South Africa to tell a South African... Um, person that they're washing their dishes wrong and because of that they lose their house. It's like you don't have to come and look for us. Granted, the granted people who are Liberty memes fans are sharing their content, but you can just not care. You can stick stick around in your own uh, echo chamber. It's perfectly fine. I mean, it's not actually great for civil discourse and education and learning about what's going on in the world, but, you know, if you want to be in an echo chamber, fine. But don't force everybody else to be in the same echo chamber as you are. And this is an annoying thing. This continues on to what's going on with the patrony, with Patreon, and the bullshit regarding the trust and safety committee team. It's like, you know, I, I, I Tim Pool has done a much better job of dealing with this, and it Sorry, because Sargon of Akkad, or Carl Benjamin, as his real name is, uh, got his Patreon account shut down because of, oh, he violated the term service, and then he's like, well, actually, I didn't, because this wasn't on Patreon, this was another thing, and then they use manifest the term manifestable, uh, manifestable, observable, manifest observable behavior, which is funny, because the acronym of that becomes MOB, and um, but basically the, the reason this is happening is cuz people are complaining and it's like well your brand is damaging us it's like well is it i guess the thing would be the, the the canary in the coal mine test would be if somebody complains about that person and then you look and you see you contact the people who are paying who are using your platform other patreon uh patreon patreon accounts who are using your platform you contact them and they say well we've had nobody leave and I don't really care, like, Sargon's on his corner, Race Wars is on their corner, it's like, yeah, everybody's out there. Nobody's really pissing off each other, so what's the real problem here? Oh, because somebody who came from the outside who doesn't actually, like, I guess the one thing would be contact the people who complain. Do you fund Patreon? Oh, you do? Okay, who do you fund? Are is it a differing a point of view, or are you like, is it a legitimate, like, you think this person is damaging the platform, and give you a reason why, we'll spend time researching it, we'll find out, like, we can do this, Um, but instead, how they're doing is, they're doing the subjective stuff, it's like, we'll we'll put them against a, a very simple test, like, do they violate this, if no, move down, like, you know, it's a small checklist of, like, yeah, do they do this, 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 no, 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 fine, okay, they're we we can keep them on here. Oh, did they do this? Yes. Did they do this? It's like it needs to be much more of a an objective test than subjective tests. And I know that these websites, especially um, with how the payment processors such as Visa, Mastercard, Discover Card, PayPal, Stripe, um, Square, and all these guys, they can also be obje- uh, manipulated by social pressure. But it's really hilarious to think that that small groups of people. Who are very heavily funded. Now, granted, these are very well funded in the left wing. They are dealing with um, some of their fundings come from groups like the Tides Foundation, and then there's, of course, there's George Soros, and then you can go into conspiracy land with various other things. And they are funded quite heavily by very wealthy people. And so are groups on the right. I think the right is a little less. Um, cohesive together or maybe yeah less um they're less joined together in a common cause they're more sort of random and running off doing their own thing like you could you could get the coke foundation with david coke and i don't think it's david coke but you know the coke the brothers they give a lot of money but i don't think any of the groups they really give to are fully unified in their cause and moving in the similar direction versus some of the groups in the left wing which are really I'm not gonna say lockstep because um, they're not that, but they they sort of have a similar view and similar vested interest, and they move. They usually move around the same sort of time. Like it's not like oh they're all gonna go like a snap. Like oh they're all attacking that guy. It's when like one starts and the other one takes up very quickly. The right is less. Uh, at least the right I've viewed is less. Uh, is less. Um, unified and cohesive in that way, cohesive. Uh, They seem to me much slower, and they pick their targets, and it's like, well, you guys should only deal with that, and you guys should deal with that. The left, it's like, okay, this is the guy. Let's all go after him. But it sort of takes a while for it to get all the way around, so then once they're all on it, like some have moved off to other things. Versus the right, it's like, well, that's not even in my wheelhouse, so I'm not even going to join you guys in fighting it. And maybe that's why the left is effective at getting... Uh, people who they disagree with de, de-, de- platformed, but then we're also having an issue uh which again tim pool uh has ta- brought to life um not not inform me about i actually not brought to life fire um the freedom of um, uh the group fire which deals with uh freedom of speech issues in education um, they are uh, they released a report that Less universities are becoming red zones, but less are also becoming green zones. Now, red zones are speech being easily bannable on it, but less universities also are completely defending free speech. It's sort of like they're becoming this yellow and gray area where it's like eh, they they sort of don't have in the rules of conduct ability to wipe speech out, but they do so under safety means and various other ways like that and how it's actually being more often than used against more centrist liberals and slightly left-winger liberal professors than being used on the conservative professors, which makes numerical sense because most professorships in the United States and in universities are typically more left of center. Um, so they're the ones suffering more because if you have 80% of a job is left of those positions are left of center and 20% of them are getting hurt, the odds are the le- more of the lefties are getting hurt than the righties. Uh, right-wingers, I should say. But still, it's it's not nice. And we can see that some universities have definitive free speech codes that defend free speech nearly absolutely. And they've, they do a good job, and those places are cool. And we can see that some places don't. And there are places where debate and free speech is definitely needed, and a university is one place. They should be. It's all about education. And uh, they shouldn't be... Restrictive of these things, there shouldn't be, like, a good example is there should not be what's called a definitive free speech space at a university. Like, you can't do your thing unless you're in this little designated area of the university. Uh -uh. I should be able to say wherever I want, what I want. If somebody thinks that's that's harassment, they can bring a case against me. I will say I did not physically harass them, and ideas are just ideas. Until they are actually moved upon, they are not dangerous. But, you know, people will always say, well, you know, with the idea of... They'll always go to the extremes to defend their positions of why ideas should be censored, which isn't cool. And let's keep going on on the progressive social agenda that is uh, <laughs> trying to wipe out... Uh, it's It started last year, but it really picked up this year, the whole uh, LGBT and extending in the identitarian politics. And the progressives have largely ruled this field. Granted, the extreme right is also doing that too, where they're doing identitarian, but they're much more. They've been doing it for years and years, and they're a much smaller uh, stranglehold. But granted, when you listen to the news, sometimes it sounds like oh, there's millions of these far like alt-righters running around. There's not that many. There's not that many. Like how many actual Nazis are in the United States? Probably not that many. This keeps happening, and, and the, the progressives are even now going after other liberals who have lived similar ways. It's like, well, now I don't know where I stand in the platform and the issue, and I'm getting kicked out. And It's just, you know, in the end, it's going to be a lot of uh, groups that are attacking the individual. And of course, the individual is the smallest body possible. Like, You can't get any like, smaller of a group than the individual. And the individual needs to be protected the most from all this over-encroachment of socially progressive ideas. And, but by that I mean, I don't mean like, oh, gays shouldn't be able, able to marry. I should say, well, gays can definitely marry, but they shouldn't use their status as a way to bully other people into doing the same thing. Uh, you know, they shouldn't be able to use their status as a way to bully other people into believing what they want to believe. At least, that's my take on it. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, maybe history will tell if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> history is usually a pretty good observer of these things. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and the farther you get away from something, the better ideas you can. But also, you have history as w- written by the winner, but which seems less real now. Um, when you think about it, uh, we seem to be willing to study the losing and winning sides of conflicts and social events much more honestly than we used to. But then we're also having the issue of where we're trying to whitewash history, such as the destruction of the um, Confederate monuments of the United States, which concern me because if you're going to whitewash history, uh, a good example of this is if you're trying to whitewash the negative history of the United States and slavery, And say like, oh, wipe these all guys out. People then have a right to say like, well, obviously that if you are wiping out any knowledge that this event happened, then I'm going to claim it didn't happen. And then I can get away with it saying like, well, you guys aren't an oppressed race anymore. You guys won. You guys won. Not only do you win historically, but then you wiped out that history saying that you that there was a chance of you being oppressed. And now you guys, there's no difference between us. So how about you shut up? And that's not my attitude. My attitude is like, we need to keep history because when you wipe out history, you are very much doomed to repeat it. If you don't understand why problems came up and how they were solved, then you're not going to face, when you face a similar problem, you're not going to understand how to take care of it. And this is my fear of the, the socially progressive uh, agenda is that they seem to think that uh, all that matters is right now and that the past is always wrong. It's like, well, so let's just throw it all out but there's important lessons in the past that need to be uh, studied and learned and then we have the thing of the whole transgender child movement which uh, I I don't even know how to get into that it just it it, it concerns me I see a lot of staff supporting it and, and, and assaulting it and like my thought is, until you're 18 years old... Actually, not even that. You should be 25 years old before you are going to choose if you're going to be a male or female by surgery. If you are born a male, until you're 25, you are a male. If you are an effeminate male who thinks that they have gender dysphoria... Now, no, t- um, most of the evidence reports that... Uh, from various studies that gender dysphoria... Is not just is usually part of uh, multiple mental illnesses. Like you don't just have gender dysphoria; you have various other um, mental disorders involving uh, in you when you get to that point, which can usually be diagnosed by very top tier psychologists and psych. Uh, not diagnosed uh, not by psychologists. What is it? Um, by very smart uh, people who understand the mental process in the human mind and how mental issues appear and and can get worked through. And that's how I think that, that um, uh, I'm just formulating it in my head here, uh, that people like that um, who are important, like uh, people who do psychological assessments on people and find out this guy's got a mental disorder, this guy's got a learning disability, you know, stuff like that, this guy's, this guy's definitely ADHD or this girl's definitely got, um like, is, on the autistic spectrum or has some, something like that. It's people like that who we, who find this stuff out and they find out like, well, they also have gender dysphoria as well. It's usually not just, Oh, this guy only has gender dysphoria. That's the only thing, um, slightly off. And, And of course, mental disorders, like it's a very vast term mental disorder. Like even depression is considered a mental disorder. And considering that a vast, like a, good portion of the human population suffers through depression. It's like one in 10 suffers through depression and it's smaller for chronic depression and various other things, but, but uh, uh, taking care of the mind is very, very important for sure. And we don't know too much. um, We sort of know a bit about the mind. Like we know what, what's, uh, I don't want to use the word, uh, what's it like what things uh i i can't think of the word actually i thought i was going to use triggers but but that's not a great word um what sort of uh what sort of identifiers um come up during these tests that are used to like find out if you have a learning disability or if you suffer from depression or um suffer from various other mental illnesses that can't be directly diagnosed via you know just looking at you these are things that have to be like your mind has to have an assessment being done on it and how you work and you do these hard questionnaires and they take a look at how you've done it and, you know, you, you come to the end of that and that tells you a lot and it's not just like you get to the end of it and all you get is gender for you. There's always something more there. Now, granted that we also know that more and more people suffer from mental disorders and mental issues and stuff like that because the more we study them, the more we find out, wow, um, there may not be such thing as a normal human being in the mind because both our mind, uh, the environment, the people we interact with, our genes all this stuff comes together to shape the mind and the human brain is not usually fully formed properly until about age 24 to 26 so if you get people at the like, 12 years old who think you know it's a boy or a girl and they think they're the opposite sex Maybe by the time they're 25, they're like, well, I was wrong. And let's hope that none of them have done the surgery. Because then now they're like, oh, uh, I am not this person who I pretend to be now. That is a very uh, concerning thing to go through. And I can think that's... (sighs) I mean, this isn't socially progressive of me, but I would think that that parents that are... (sighs) Either uh, if you can find if you can find the proof that they're forcing this ideology on their kids, like that's definitely abuse. I would want to say like it's worth investigating if it's abuse if the kid thinks that way, and the and the parents are just negligent about it. But I think that there are also times when maybe that is a proper pathway for a kid to go down, and explore and experiment. And human beings are all about experimenting, and that's kind of how we've survived for so long on this planet as we keep checking our uh, you know survival of the fittest like did that work no he died okay so this guy did that work yes he survived he procreates oh, of course i'm using he like he or she also so it's interchangeable in that so there's that and then let's keep going on uh, <laughs> the battle of gatwick airport 2018 where one drony boy held up all of gatwick for a few days I don't know how this uh, this has ended. I just saw a meme picture about it. that was sort of like uh, the um, Wikipedia infobox, which was so hilarious. Like <laughs> the entire might of the British armed forces couldn't bring one droney boy down. Of course, uh, I think this has become much more. Uh, uh, I think it's st- okay. It's still a mystery. What? What's the telegraph saying? I mean, I'm not taking the telegraph as a completely reliable source of news. Gatwick Airport drone sightings may have been police equipment. (laughs) Oh, that's, if that's true, that's hilarious. That the droney boy may have actually been police. (laughs) Oh, man oh my goodness oh that's funny that is if that's true that's funny that it may have been the police's own drone that caused uh the airport <laughs> to screw up but it might have also not been if it is if it turns out it actually is the local gatwick's police drone that actually shut the airport down that is freaking funny like funny, funny from an outside, like not funny for any of the passengers, any airlines, any of the pilots, any of the ground crew, anybody at the airport and any of the police and the military forces that were sent in to figure out who this was. But that is a really funny laugh if that was the police that caused the problem. <laughs> God. Oh, man. Uh, to be honest, I, I, I almost hope it is that because then... Then that at least brings up, like, okay, that's something that we can fix in the future by telling police not to fly drones too close to airports. If it's not, and this person who, if it is if it is a non-the-police or somebody else who's just having fun doing it, it's like, that's still a problem because you don't know who did it and you, and he got away with it, which is terrifying. Uh, it's really funny to look at, but it would also be really terrible, to, be terrifying. Being a pilot flying into finding you know, there's a drone over the area. You can't fly in because it's been flying through. It's like, well, crap. I know that these drones, when they hit airplane wings, they can potentially, they can severely damage the wing because the met the wings aren't physically that strong. They're designed to they have to be light enough to hold uh to get the plane off the air, but they're also strong enough to hold the fuel in the fuel tanks. But yeah, you know, if a drone hit them. It, at the speed they're going at, it could cause significant damage. Also, we've had the ones where drones hit, um, uh, where a drone hit the radar dome on the front and destroyed the radar dome of the airplane. It's like, that's terrifying, because there's that, some of that radar not only goes forward, it also goes down. And multi-directional, it's telling, like, hey, here's the altitude that you're going to be on in a few minutes. Better raise or lower your altitude. If, if you let's say you're flying in, uh, 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 instrument flight rating, uh, you know, IFR, where you have like, you know, heavy fogs, very bad visibility, and you're flying in a mountain range, you don't know if you're the height of the mountain range you need to be, your GPS system screwed up, it doesn't know where you are, and you suddenly had a, dr- and you had a drone on takeoff that banged your radar, so you have no idea, next thing you know, you're crashing in a mountain, which is a terrifying possibility, that is the danger of flying drones too close to airports, and I get drones are fun, my family has one, I've flown it, it's like, they're cool. There is a responsibility of the drone owners not to put other aviation people at risk via either helicopter or airplane or anything. Like, this is... (sighs) There is some sensibility. It was really stupid that when the drones first started taking off, about 2016, when drone usage became, like, when people could... When drones, like the DJI Phantom, stuff like that, became um, popular and relatively inexpensive like they're not super cheap but they're they're not too hard to get your hands on if you try but how people were just really stupid it's like oh i just got a drone i'm gonna go to my nearest airport and fly it down the runway when airplanes are flying in. it's like <sighs> you people are the reason why the government tries to create licenses for everything everything and it's just it's just terrible i i hate that i i That's why governments get to license and restrict access to materials such as drugs, alcohol, drones in the future, airplanes, helicopters, guns. It's it's A bunch of irresponsible nitwits go and cause all these problems, and it's like a very small percentage of the population who caused the problems of the entire group that actually has the equipment. And all the rest of us are sitting around like, well, dick, thanks a lot, you fucker, for fucking with our fun, you fucking asshole. Yeah, I just wanted to fly a drone over my private property and maybe go up 200 meters in the air. Now, because you flew that over an active runway, we can't go 40 meters in the air, you piece of shit. That's that's just how I feel about it. And the conspiracy theorists would say that those people are false flag people working for the government, which I I cannot believe. But (laughs) if it was a government drone causing a problem at Gatwick Airport, that's... Funny and terrifying at the same time. Like, funny if the police d- may have done it. Check back soon if that's actually doing it. Keep looking at the Gatwick News. That would be really good to find out the truth about that. I mean, if I was the police department, I would just cover that all up and say, like, uh, with some hobbyist drone. If it turns out it's the police drone, that is like, what? <laughs> all right, so continuing on. Last piece of shit. From 2018 that I put down the list, and we have gone for a long time here of just doing this. We haven't even gotten to all the good stuff yet, because there was much more good in 2018. Why? Because well, stuff's generally getting better, and everything's getting better all the time. And you know, like the Louis C.K. Louis C.K. skit from uh, Conan's late night show. You know, everything is awesome, and we're just terrible people for being annoyed by it all. But let's keep going. So the end of it is video game stuff. Uh, More video game stuff. Blizzard and Activision, and how Activision trying to run Blizzard is causing problems for Blizzard, specifically the shit with their eSports teams, uh, their eSport League involving uh, Heroes of the Storm, uh, the Diablo Immortals uh, announcement at BlizzCon, and I think that was most of it, but also uh, just because of uh, how... Blizzard is being forced to make more money, and Activision is doing their microtransaction system that they're pulling from all their other games, just trying to bring it in. And Activision is, I wouldn't say losing money, but they're definitely not making as much as they did in a few years ago, and they're trying to get more of that in. They're trying to get the mobile game from NetEase uh, in the Diablo universe, because that will be that will have pay-to-win... Okay, I don't know if it will pay-to-win. It will have... Uh, pay-based microtransaction mechanics. I don't know if that would be as manipulated as NetEase's uh, previous ones, which Tripping, been considered pay-to-win. But still, it's, it's concerning. The video game industry, like, the AAA guys seem to be just, like, screwing up all over the place. Although Ubisoft seems to be not as bad. Granted, they haven't changed their ways. You're still getting, like, oh, here's the special edition. Here's the ultimate edition. Here are three editions beyond the ultimate edition for a game okay why that being said far cry 5 is a pretty good game i haven't played most of their other Ubisoft games that got released this year um assassin's creed odyssey is apparently good uh but i haven't i don't know why i'm like i haven't played an assassin's creed game since assassin's creed uh um let's it, it was what's the last what's the second uh one from number two I, I think, is it Revelations or Brotherhood? It's one of those. It's it's that one. I haven't played a lot. The one that's based in Istanbul, or Constantinople, as it would be called then. Uh, I haven't played that one. Then we also have the Battlefield Five shit, involving uh, Patrick Sutherland and him leaving EA and DICE after the manipulating of uh, history to make it more gender-inclusive, and then finding out that a mission in Norway involving some great Norwegian commandos um, stopping the Third Reich, uh, not otherwise known as Nazi Germany, from getting heavy water. That whole story was replaced by a mother and daughter doing it. Which, if you're going to say you're the most realistic game of that time, how about you just say that's fictionalized events? Maybe also not do one that's based on a real-life thing that was pretty heroic for a bunch of, a bunch of Norwegian commandos. Like, it's kind of just bad. I I still think they were no They could have been Finn. No, it was Norway. I believe. Yeah, Norway. I don't think it was Finnish. I think it was Norway. I'm sorry if it was F- Finland and the Finns are offended <laughs> by that, but I don't think so. Yeah, I think it was Norway. Yeah, it was Norway. Fairly certain. Uh, so we got that and how it hasn't sold that great and now they're about to roll out their microtransactions in the future or have they already? They're going to soon. I think they have, but I'm not 100% sure. Because I haven't played Battlefield V. I mean, it looks like a cool game, but all the crap that followed around it just put me off of it. And I haven't had a desire to play Battlefield since Battlefield Four. And the last time I played it online, I had a bad experience. So, yeah, it's kind of like, I don't want to subject myself to that anymore. And then we got Fallout 76, a debacle from Bethesda. Just both the game isn't that amazing, and then the backpack—I mean the canvas bag—and then they gave these very nice backpacks to the Twitch streamers and influencers, I guess, and then they got the nuke uh, dark uh, rum thing. And Bethesda just hasn't cut, got a, hasn't not cut a break in that entire thing, and it's really kind of concerning. I mean, they've got uh, they've had some good games. I mean, they had Prey, which was good. Uh, they've got Rage two coming out soon. They've got Doom. I mean, Ch- Uh Wolfenstein two knew Colossus wasn't super great, but I haven't played that. But you know, it, it looks like they were doing pretty good. And then Fallout seventy six comes out of nowhere. It's like, what? And I'm still having hopes from Elder Scrolls six and their next uh. You know, their space-based game that's probably going to be pretty good. Um, Hoping that they get a good thing. And the really funny thing is the whole Fallout thing. It's like, Fallout 76 is crap. Obsidian Games, who made Fallout New Vegas, has got their game coming out soon, which looks amazing. (laughs) It stylistically, even though it's in the future, looks like Fallout. And it seems to make fun of Fallout 76 just being a little bit of a toss. So there's that. And... There was probably more bad shit that happened in 2018, but let's end that. Let's just say, like, that's all the bad shit I want to talk about today. Let's go on to the good shit. <laughs> the good stuff of 2018. Uh, first things first, uh, I got a PlayStation VR unit for my PlayStation 4, and that's fun. I mean, Archangel was pretty good. Super hot VR is is amazing. Um. <laughs> uh, Beat Saber is really, really fun. Um, the playroom they give with it actually has got some really good party games on it. So, credit to PlayStation for doing that. Like, there's some fun games on there. Like, they're cheesy, but they're really fun. I played uh, Ace Combat 4, 5, and 0 on the PlayStation 2. We were able to get good copies of that and finally played all three of those. The so called Holy Trinity of Ace Combat in the PlayStation 2 era. Those are insanely fun games. I like playing them, which is why I'm kind of, you know, coming up like, PlayStation 7 comes out in just over 19 days. It's slowly counting down. I can't wait for that. Uh, Time with the Nintendo Switch. The Nintendo Switch has had great sales this year. and has some pretty good games coming out for it. I mean, I played Stardew Valley on it. I've played... uh, You know, there were a few really good games that came out for the Switch this year. You know, Smash Bros. Ultimate ending the year strong. Uh, yeah, you know, I can't, you know, I can't complain, uh, no. even though Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild were last year, they're still amazing games to keep playing, just, you know, the Switch has been, I wouldn't say it was my go-to platform this year, but it, it just, it, it's fun to go into, Not only fun to keep playing it, and Breath of the Wild just has so much in it that it's worth just going around with, apparently, uh, there's still stuff that people are doing, like people are moving the bookshelf around, which is just—I didn't even know that was a meme until tonight, and uh, I'm laughing at it. um, I got an Xbox One X, and uh, I'm experiencing 360 games that are brought uh, like brought into higher quality. Now I haven't tried Red Dead Redemption One yet, but apparently that's supposed to be great on the Xbox uh, One X. Brought back, uh, and they're really fun. Like uh, playing the Master Chief Collection of Halo. I have all those old games, but. Boy, when you look at the quality of graphics between Halo Two and the the uh, Anniversary Edition, those cutscenes look amazing in the Anniversary Edition that just didn't seem to hold up as well on Halo Two. And the original Halo Two was still a good game; it's fun playing them. I haven't played Halo Four yet on that. Um, kind of disappointing that they keep Halo O D S T Halo Three O D S T out of that. It's like. Bitch, please! You could totally add, put that in. Like, why is that a separate game? Why is that a DLC pack? People would like to play it. Or if it is a DLC pack, don't have the main campaign listed on the main menu. Put it somewhere else. But we know you want your money. Just raise the price five dollars and put it in as a built-in package. Jeez, that's a little annoying. But you know, that's all I can really complain about. <laughs> Four is a six. is fun and. After playing Gran Turismo, it's easier playing Forza 6 on simulation steering than arcade, which you know gives me more money in game. But like, boy, the arcade steering just felt really weak. I don't know why. It just it didn't hold up. And and I have a little complaint with the Xbox One controller, and I've handled them for a little while. But now that I own two of them for my own personal Xbox, I'm noticing they they feel a little flimsier and a little like. Not as strong as the uh, PlayStation or the or the Nintendo controllers are. The Pro controller or the PlayStation Four controller seem better made. And then I get that the Xbox still uses the uh, they still use AA batteries, which is a little annoying to me. Like the Xbox, you know, the PlayStation has rechargeable controllers, so does the Nintendo Switch. You guys could not have gone that way. And I know if maybe it's a, maybe that's a fifteen dollar charge on your controllers. They're just not great. And also, like, how, how the LNR triggers have, like, a lot of over travel. They just feel longer than they need to be. Which is why I get with, like, the Scuff gaming controllers and some of the Elite controllers that you can actually set the um, point of, tr- you can control the length of travel for the trigger con- triggers. And I think you can do that in some of the, like, the top grade PlayStation ones, but the PlayStation triggers, like, they move better, or they feel more natural in their movement, and they seem to have a more consistent endpoint per game. Now, that's pretty much my only complaint. A uh, good thing is that because of Xbox One X, uh, because I have an Xbox One X and gold on it, uh, I was able to get Mercenaries, the game Mercenaries, which I haven't played like, in a long time. I played the original Mercenaries on PlayStation 2, and I don't have a copy of it. And I just thought I was never going to be able to play it again. I may have to rum it. And then it came on the Xbox One X. Well, it came on the Xbox One and the Xbox 360 via Gold. I have it on my old 360, and it's just it, it crashes every 45 minutes. I have it on the Xbox One X, and it doesn't crash like that. Not. It still crashes, but not as consistently. And it seems to know it, and it looks nicer. It looks considerably like less blocky than the 360 version does. So I th- they definitely know, um, they definitely have, have tuned it for the 360 version. Uh, let's keep going. Uh, there was a few good movies. Uh, Sicario 2 was good. Uh, the Green Box was good to watch. Uh, didn't see too many movies this year. Uh, but Sicario 2 and The Green Box, uh, The Green Book, The Green bo- <laughs> The Green Box, what the hell is wrong with me? The Green Book. Uh, which was great. Both movies were very good. Uh, God of War was a great game, hands down. Great. They came out this year. Really fun. Uh, good showing uh, story game. And then Spider-Man, which I've been playing. That is really good. I'm 48% way through the storyline, and it's just... it's. That's an amazing thing. Like the, It, it just feels so great. Feels so freaking great to play. And the world feels so much better Better than it was. Like I remember Spider-Man Two, Spider-Man Three, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Those video games are on. The, they were on the GameCube and I think the Xbox 360 era. Those games felt full, like full games. Like there was a full world going on. Except for in Spider-Man Two, it's like a car drove through. <laughs> the pedestrian NPC will say, "I just saw a car go through here way too fast." And of course, then you'd go and find it, and it's like it's only going like a tiny bit faster. Than the regular cars, which is not fast at all. So you catch them on like, like the, Insomniac made an amazing world in in um, New York for, for Marvel Spider Man. Like the game, just uh, it feels so much more alive than the than a couple of the other Spider Man games I've played. The mechanics are about the same, if not a little bit better. Uh, it's more Arkham uh, style fighting, um, which I, I guess like. I, I like the original Spider-Man uh, fighting style from two and three, but hey, Arkham fighting isn't isn't the worst. And it's pretty damn good. I thought I think God of War actually has better fighting mechanics, but that's an over-the-shoulder fighter, and that's a different game. Um, what else happened? Oh yeah, I got a print of my logo from Jaws Consortium that will be going. Going up behind me, on the wall behind me here, which, of course, you can't see until I get a video version of this podcast up, which is a goal for or earlier next year. And by early, I mean by February, I hope to be able to do that. Um. <laughs> Another great thing, seeing Andrew W.K. live here in my home city of Calgary. Can't thank my brother enough for telling me about that and getting tickets, and just, that was fun, and the shirt I got from that concert's great. Uh, doing the escape with my family, very nice. Another great thing that happened in 2018. All the great game time. Uh, all the great game nights. Uh, that me and my friends have done. I mean we started doing them in. Actually no. We we, we really only started doing them in 2018. We did sort of like one. A little earlier. But it's pretty much only been 2018. That we've been doing them for. And they're just. Oh, it, it's, I'm, I'm so happy that we're doing them. And. We don't do them as often as we probably could try, but they've been great. Another thing I'm really happy about... a oh, good thing. got the Zoom Live Track 12 here, which I'm recording on, which has been a very, very good thing. Um, just just been a very good uh, recording platform. I've been used to it at another live event. Just really, really fun to do. Um, it makes production a lot easier than the h6 considering that i can have 10 people uh well not 10 i could have eight mics going instead of uh plus uh plus multiple line ins, uh plus uh four mono lines in that would allow me to record uh two two channels in stereo format so that's that's really nice it's it's been a really good production tool and it will continue going on as a good production tool uh I got a t- hat with a propeller on it for Christmas, so... <laughs> I'm really happy about that. I'm really thankful for that. That's good. Another thing. Calgary voting on not getting in on the Olympics. When we had the plebiscite, the no group won. Which means that we're not wasting a ton of money on a project that's probably not going to bring a lot of money. And boy, were there were a lot of sad losers in that. Well, a sore losers. And there were some sore winners, too. Like, But we didn't need it. Uh, another thing... The meme episode with Nick, and the libertarian episode with Steven. Those are great. Uh, having the OnePlus 6 phone. <laughs> Happy I got that and uh you know, it's just been so much better than the OnePlus 1. Granted, that is five generations of technology difference, so that was expected. Uh, Ranger App, launching their bad news network on YouTube, which is just absolutely hilarious to watch every Thursday. Matt, uh, I mean, uh, Nick Palmashano and Matt Finney, just, they're great. They're great. And of course, definitely more stuff went well. Definitely more stuff went well here. Um, You know, there are things I could talk about and things I can't talk about. Like my my ever-expanding game collection felt great. I found a... uh, was it was it this year? Yeah, it was this year I found uh an app that both tracks my movie database and my uh video game database, which is actually pretty useful to know if I have something or not, and I can print off copies of that and send them to friends. So it's like, Hey, if you want to borrow a movie that's not on Netflix, here's one to watch. Uh Yeah, the movie scene went pretty well. I i, I, I there's some movies I wish I had seen this year that I've still not seen. Um Like, I have yet to watch Ant-Man 2. I've yet to watch Black Panther. I've yet to watch Infinity Wars. But I'll get on to that uh, pretty quickly. I just felt tired of watching them. uh, Superhero movies. I missed Wreck-It Ralph 2, which I should have seen. uh, But, you know, there's always tomorrow. And it just... You know, tomorrow's just looking great. So let's let's finish off 2018 strong. It looks like we have... (coughs) Mostly... One day left, practically. Not a lot that can go wrong in that one day. And now that I said that, it will. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Um, Just, you know, 2018. Now to keep going. Let's see, what's uh, what am I not looking forward to in 2019? Next year. And this is a really short list, mostly because... I can only predict things that are in my mind and I'm not going to go and search for things that are like, oh, this will actually happen or this won't happen or stuff like that. There could be a war. There could not be a war. There could be major technological development. There may not be a major technological... Who knows? I'm only predicting on stuff that I sort of know. Number one, Nancy Pelosi is going to be Speaker of the House in the U.S. Congress again. Why... I just don't like her. I, I mean, her politics I don't like. It. Her face. She just... Uh, I don't know. Just, I honestly just don't like her. Like I, Her politics are ultra-progressive San Francisco grade. She just... She seems like... Uh, I don't know. I haven't met her, so that's as, as far as I'm going to go, and I don't really want to meet her. Maybe that is a problem with my echo chamber. <laughs> Call me out of my biases. Well, I have a bunch, and I'm being biased against her. Uh Sony's skipping E three. Uh Kinda sucks. Uh but we'll see. Like, it's that's weak. But we'll we'll see what actually happens. Like maybe Sony will have some other stuff talking about. <coughs> I suspect they're ramping up for their next console generation. So they're kinda taking it slow, but Maybe it's also because E3 has become like this weird event and last year they had a bad year, the two years before that they just owned it. But I don't know. Like 2016-2017, they owned E3. They absolutely owned it. And then 2018 it was like eh. They were actually kind of the weakest one. Xbox did a r Microsoft did a really good showing in 2018, E3 which was amazing. Uh, <coughs> Next year, we're going to start hearing more about the 2020 presidential election in the United States. <sighs> Could we please not? Can the primary process only really start after January 2nd, 2020? But no, 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 no. No, that can't be possible. No, it has to start early. We have to start we have to start going crazy. That's that's the biggest problem in the United States is all the political how much politics is in the news, how much it rules the um, the rules the media, how much it rules the culture. It's just I'm a political scientist and I'm tired of it. Like yawn. So there's that. Um potentially the Canadian Liberals will retain the House of Commons and retain government here in Canada during our federal election, which is supposed to happen this year. Uh, By this year, I mean 2019. Sorry, it's still 2018. Next year, 2019, because of the marijuana legalization. I don't know, but at the same time, I'm also concerned that um, a weird sway will happen where a more right-wing party will get in. I don't know if Andrew Scheer and his conservatives are like that problematic he seems like a light culture warrior who's not that big like hopefully a culture warrior doesn't get in i mean i like maxine bernier but he spends a lot of time doing things that are kind of like a little ultra conservative in ways like it was a picture i don't know if this was his facebook account or at a group that's endorsing him but it was like don't say happy holidays say merry christmas like i'm a christian i i i like when you say merry christmas to me okay that's cool. You say happy holidays, me. I'm kind of like eh, you're you're copping out, but you may not be one. Who you may not be one to celebrate. So okay, I I get it. I'm not offended by the happy holidays thing. I just think it's like, may I feel it's more correct to say Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. But I remember when it was like, oh, we have to change it to Festivus and like make up all these all these terms for because of the. Smaller group of people who don't celebrate feeling really isolated. I like, I I I get that they feel isolated, and it can be awkward being in a culture that is definitely going in one direction versus another. Which is like, you know, Christmas is the holiday. It is the vacation day off. It's the time off. You don't work on Christmas. No, some people definitely do. But you get where I'm going with this by saying that the whole Happy Holidays with versus uh, Merry Christmas is a culture warrior thing, and I'm just... The more I re- realize what the culture war is, the more I'm disgusted that I even took part in it in some way, and the more I just think, Ugh. there are way, way bigger things like saying Merry Christmas for a Happy Holidays. I'm being kind of a hypocrite because in the last episode I said Merry Christmas, but that's for me saying Merry Christmas I don't have a problem with people saying Happy Holidays I'm just going to say Merry Christmas because I'm a Christian if that offends you I'm, I'm sorry but you know ever since the Germans took the pagan holiday that happened near the winter solstice and made it Christmas by adding Christian mythology into it that's how it's been for a while it wasn't called Happy Holidays until, like, you know, relatively recently. They haven't really given me a reason to remove Christmas from it, because it's involving the Christian birth of the Jesus Christ, who is the savior of the Christian religion. <laughs> so, you know, there's that. Uh, I don't know where I can went on this tangent, uh, the Merry Christmas thing, but... Yeah. Oh gosh, I I don't know why I went off on that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. Uh, that was just weird. But it, it's a culture warrior thing. Oh yeah, it's because of Maxine Bernier. I just I. I guess the other thing is like I care, but I don't care enough to make it a problem. Like if you said Merry Happy Holidays to me, I'm not going to be like, it's Merry Christmas. Just be like, oh okay, whatever. Go about my day. Is that wrong? I guess there is a, like a sort of. There's a certain amount of civil, civil, uh, civilness that has sort of disappeared in the recent history of people. Which would be nice to get it all back, but yeah, you know, we can only we can only hope for that. And last, the legacy media uh, is trying to uh, affect and basically under uh, undercut the new age media that's coming out. Um, and we're seeing this, um, again, reciting uh, Tim Poole, who, fa- who has noticed that uh, a lot of the millennial um, media groups, Vox and the more left-of-center groups, not going to say left-wing, but more left-of-center, are having problems making money because they follow the algorithms, and the algorithms, of course, change because of how people shift their thoughts and how companies can shift them like Google and Facebook, and also how the younger generation, the post-millennial generation, the Generation C, I think is what they're calling it, are largely more independent libertarian right now than the millennials are. Now, I don't know what that means in the future, if uh, that's going to keep that way or if that's not, if there's only so far that that's actually going to go. We're seeing the legacy media trying to fight the new media, and the new media is definitely circumventing the legacy media, but the legacy media has, um, because it's a, it's a legacy media system, they have a considerable amount of finances at their disposal, and they've got the ear of a lot of major corporations that fund a lot of these um, groups through ads and stuff like that so if you if n new york times let's take these two um even fox and uh you know the new york uh, post and the wall Street journal and various other groups um wish i knew like you know maybe even rash Limbaugh, go by him if they tried to direct media um ad dollars away from new age media, which sort of affected the adpocalypse uh on youtube and in ver- the advertisement platforms for Social media systems—they can make a, they can do a lot of damage during that because they have the old, they have the ear. TV has been such a paradigm for the last fifty years of mankind. It's like the primary way of getting information across. It was how it worked. It's like you spend a million dollars, you spend one million dollars on a thirty-second ad on the Super Bowl. It's maybe a hundred million people are going to watch that. That's worth it but then you come into the new age of media where you spend $5,000 and 10,000 and 20,000 people see your ad on YouTube. And they are the people who are actually searching for what you're trying to sell, or at least they ha- are in a higher, um, according to algorithms and mathematics and various other, uh, things that they're able to do where they track, um, human statistics and how they've moved and how they shift and how the brain works and which a lot of uh, Google and groups like that are quite able to develop these uh, digital profiles of yourself. They can find out like, Hey, if we're going to send this ad to this person, they have a conservative, they have like an 80% chance that they will actually act on it versus sending it to a hundred thousand people. We can say, here are the group that we are actually going to target. Like, Hey, they live in the area. They, it would be like, um, Uh, one of the good example. What's a good example? It'd be like living in Spokane, Washington, and turning on the news, um, and one of the ads that is on uh, your—I wouldn't say your local news channel, but I mean they should be your local news channel. Like your Creme Two News should have stuff from Spokane. At least I think Spokane is Creme Two. I think it is. Yeah. Um, but it would be weird turning on Creme Two News and seeing an ad for a to do an example, to see an ad for a Ford dealership in Houston, Texas. It's like, why would you see that? But sometimes you get these weird like, statewide ads. It's like, here's a guy, here's a company that's almost halfway across your state that you have never gone to before who's now paying for ads. And it's like, I have no intention of going there. Or maybe it's a maybe it's a brand you don't even care about. Maybe you're a uh, Chevrolet guy and you don't even care about Dodge, and yet you see Dodge ads on your TV all the time. It's like that's a waste of money. But once if you're on YouTube and you're looking, you you are like this is part of the digital platforming and how Google and groups like that like, have these v- partially like pretty accurate digital profiles of us. Now they don't, uh, and video game systems are starting, video game companies are starting to use that data in their own video game systems of how to track, how to get microtransactions out of you, like Activision is doing. But let's go into this, like, uh, let's say you looked up on Wikipedia, um, through, you use Google to go to Wikipedia to look at, uh, or you use the Google Chrome browser or you, you used your Android device, or maybe even used a device that had, a at Google, uh, a plug-in added-on or something like that, and you decided to look up um, you know, you just you looked up Chevrolet. You're going to have a higher chance of seeing a Chevrolet ad on YouTube, on these websites, than you are going to see a Ford or Dodge ad. And that's just, uh, that makes sense. Like, Chevy's going to spend money, maybe your local Chevy is going to spend more money to get ads in your area. It's like it makes way more sense, like, for the Northwest dealer to spend money, and they're going to direct that Northwest dealer's ads to you, because you live in the Northwest. They're not going to... Google is going to geolocate you. Now, granted, this is why VPNs are interesting, because they kind of fuck with that a little bit. Not too much. Because um, Google, unless you're, like, a completely unique uh system, like doing the um Tails and Cubes... Uh, OS, which has a non-existing, you know, it's a brand new server, and then you're launching a VPN at the same time, so there's no data on it, like a new CPU, a new computer, it's completely virtual, it's never, it doesn't have a fingerprint to say where it is, and then you launch a VPN on it as well, and you use various other, uh, you know, IP proxy and IP spoofing techniques, then it's like, the, the algorithm has no idea who the hell you are. But if you're a person who uses VPN seldomly, just to watch geo locked uh, location stuff from behind firewalls and ge- like behind region locks, and then when you're just using your local stuff, you don't like, you're still gonna. They're it's gonna be smart to say like, hey, you watch this. You get that. Now that's kind of terrifying and kind of good in a way. It's it's terrifying that they're able to do that. Because we give them all this information. It's kind of good because it means that we're not wasting money on advertisement funds in the wrong ways. But we'll, we'll, we'll see how it's going forward. That's something to look out for. Will it be useful? Will it be dangerous? I don't know. I'm, you know, I guess my stance is, is it's concerning when only a few, like so few companies have all this power over that. Like how Google is a considerable powerhouse on the internet. Same with Facebook. Um, I wouldn't say Twitter is as much anymore but you see how these Google and YouTube are a considerable powerhouse uh and how these how Paypals also a considerable powerhouse on the internet and how these few systems have um have largely come have largely uh, accumulated a considerable amount of power on the regular side of the internet not the dark web but the the regular like light web side of the internet and how they've consolidated that power now, I think that some of them are going to fall apart, or some of them, there's going to be breakdowns, or there's going to be antitrust government lawsuits on them, there's going to be increased taxation on them. It's going to be more worthwhile breaking them apart. But there's sometimes you need a megacorp involved, but the only way that megacorp can run is if the government's saying, like, we're allowing you to do this because you cannot fuck with a competitor who comes along. Like when a competitor comes along, we're pl- we're paying the same attention to both of you. We're not giving you special treatment. We're not going to give him special treatment. If you try to com- commit antitrust practices against him, we will be on you. You. Uh, we will not allow monopolistic behavior, which is unfortunately what's happening now. The government's kind of subsiding, like supporting the monopol- the monopolistic behavior of these things. So let's let's finish off that. That's kinda the shit to look forward to, at least that I've seen like the shit that's gonna happen in 2019. Now, good stuff to look forward to 2019. In July alone January alone, we have Ace Combat 7, Battlefleet Gothic 2, and Resident Evil 2 remake. That's great. I, I meant I'm quite happy with that alone. Um, we also might get, uh, we're supposed to get word on if Bayonetta 3 is coming out next year, hopefully it does, if it doesn't, hopefully 2020, like, early, who knows, we haven't seen any more hints from it from Nintendo, um, Death Stranding from Ko- from Kojima, um, maybe, maybe not, I, I don't know, we'll, we'll have to see, uh, he, somebody did ask him recently, he said, like, 2019 might be the year it comes out, I, Don't really know. Uh, uh, The world is always getting better. Is a good thing to talk about. Like everything's getting better all the time, in some way, shape, or form. Like, like as said in by Andrew Heaton in um, the Libertarian Christmas Carol, the natural state of man is abject poverty and. The, it's not the question of if there are why, men, why a man is poor, it's why a man is rich. Why are there rich people? Wealth is continually being created and more people are ascending out of abject poverty into other, other uh, means of uh, funding. Now, it doesn't mean that everything's all perfect, like going from $1 a day to $3 a day is not great, but it's still better than nothing. And we're getting better and better and that money is going farther and farther in most fields, like most forms of entertainment and discretionable incomes, uh, discretionable spending, such as electronics, um, sort of. Uh, I'm going to bring Apple and some other companies to the task of how their prices really haven't calmed down, but have really remained steady the last few years. And how some stuff has gotten more expensive, but the quality of it's gone up. Now, granted, that can also be based on inflation and various other means why the dollar isn't going as far, but by most cases, more people are able to afford discretionary spending in in the Western world than were years ago. Now, that also doesn't mean that there aren't people who are spending like hell and have huge debt over them that needs to get that solved. But stuff is getting better. Our technology is getting better. We might like, uh, as stated uh, in a headline, and I didn't look this up that quickly, so I'm not going to use it as fact, but we might soon figure out how to fight um, most forms of cancer effectively. And it might actually be that in maybe a few generations, cancer is not a problem. Like, cancer can gets a vaccine and it's done. Like how smallpox used to have a vaccine and it could get rid of, which... That's coming back because of anti-vaxxer parents and how chickenpox might soon be a thing of the past because of vaccinating the children. And about how these, um, what used to be terrifying uh, and potentially fatal illnesses are slowly being... um, Destroyed by advanced science, advanced medicine, advanced biological research, advanced uh, chemical research, advanced electronic research. How we're soon like transhumanism and body modding is going to become more and more common. and It's actually going to allow us to experience a even better level of life. And how um, how everything is just getting better. How how somebody my age is able to afford a is able to afford a PlayStation Four when 20 years ago, if I was working the same job I'm working now, I probably would not be able to afford a, uh, a Nintendo 64. Just going back on that, like going back 20 years ago, that would have been the N64. I probably wouldn't be able to afford the N64 working a minimum wage job, living on my own. nor would I have as much fun with it. Also, my travel would probably be, oh, all gas went up, so that's a little different. But how, and generally speaking, like, also, the technology and the efficiency of our technology, like, our, our power bills are technically going down, our our carbon footprints per individual are dropping, our gas efficiency and our fuel efficiency for vehicles is going up. Like, stuff is improving. Um, stuff is becoming lighter. like... Uh, In the early uh, 1990s, remember how heavy uh, laptops were then? What if somebody told you that they would have a uh, 10.5-inch laptop with a detachable keyboard that becomes just a screen, like, let's say, an iPad, or, uh, as I have, my Asus Transformer book, that could be carried in one hand without any strain. Like, this is not that heavy. Like, this... uh, does it say the uh model number on it? My uh ACES Transformer Book uh T one oh two H. Yeah, this thing is not that heavy. V. And it's running Windows 10 on it. It's like Would they have believed us back then that this would be possible? Yeah, this thing can get six hours of battery this thing can get up to like like uh you know, it can get up to nine hours of battery life on it without problem. Where they have believed us back then when we told them this, when my Asus Transformer book, uh, 102H, could get 10 hours of battery life on it at a full charge by doing, like, a not-too-heavy workload. So, you know, doing file editing, maybe watching a few videos, you know, r- r- spreadsheets and, and stuff like that, not, not uh, you know, not uh yeah you know, not like playing video games but still not too bad and the fact that it's got 128 gigs of heart of uh solid state memory on it versus versus what uh what other systems have come out with like the uh you know like go back i've got a 20 gigabyte um, uh, uh, Western Digital hard drive here, in my old technology co- collection, which I it was from like the got to be from the late '90s, maybe even early two thousands, like very early two thousands, like that's twenty gigs. Remember when that was a lot of storage? Uh, anyone who's around my age, remember when that was something that like that was like impressive. Remember when USB flash drives first came out? In the mid to in like the the very early 2000s, like 2004, remember how expensive they were? How expensive it was to get half a gigabyte? Like 512 megabytes was like 40 to 50 bucks. Like a gigabyte was like a hundred dollars. And now, um, and now you can go and get, uh, (laughs) you know, the standard is a 32 gig, which is like 20 bucks Canadian. You can get eight gigs and 16 gigs for almost nothing like you know, you can get two hundred fifty six and you can get five hundred and twelve gigabyte micro SD cards now. I mean, like wh- wh- what? I mean, micro SDs are still expensive. Like you're still in the two to three hundred dollar range, but for like that big, but like, like you think about it. like a micro SD card having five hundred and twelve gigabytes of storage on it. Even go back. To two thousand seven when potentially like the first terabyte grade hard drives were just barely starting to come out, how big those things were. Like n- commercial terabyte, like not uh like not meant for industrial or like heavy computing, but like the layman's uh the every guy every day uh you know caviar black went, went and the Barracuda drives were coming out with that. Like a mat remember how expensive those things were and how big they were? I mean, those were all 3.5, so they weren't that big, but like part of that, how huge they were. Imagine telling them that a micro SD card, a chip that was eventually coming out, well, actually, micro SD was even around back then, but imagine telling them that's soon going to hold as much as uh, the regular hard drive that most computers had at that time. Like in 2007, what was the... Like, like okay. Let's see. So they had like okay. You could get some fifty, uh, gig hard drives back then, but they didn't have like we didn't have solid states. <laughs> so oh man. they had huge uh <laughs> wow like you know 750 gigs maybe a terabyte was just barely big enough but i don't know if they had that big back then oh man and and how the speeds were also like like how how um oh my goodness jeez wow uh yeah It wasn't uh, like how $400, 400 gigabyte hard drives were very expensive, and why uh, why 750 were extremely expensive. Let's take a look at the interactive hard drives. Oh, that's old. Uh, Tom's hardware. Holy crap, that's funny going back, like, how small the hard drives actually were back then, compared to day. I granted, like, you're saying hard drives is now, like, you can get 500 gigs as the starting, and how, uh, how now it's like... Okay, let's see. Let's take a look. Let's let's go to the Wikipedia page. The history of hard disk. This is freaking hilarious. Uh... Yeah, that was the f- first decline in unit revenue. Okay. Uh... Oh yeah, let's see Jeez, where is this? Where? Oh man, I I I know I'm going off on a thing here, but like, hard drives from today. Like, so. <laughs> And then Solid State's coming around in 2007. Like, imagine 10 years ago, Solid State's were just starting to come out. But they weren't, uh... They weren't too much. Like, 2007, 500 gigs to, like, maybe 700, maybe 1,000 gigs were, like, pretty, pretty high-end. And those were expensive hard drives back then. Those were, like, really expensive. And now, um and now it's just like it's crazy now you can get like like you can get 16 gigabyte hard 16 terabyte hard drives now i think uh yeah they're really expensive like it's way cheaper to buy f- oh it it I put in sixteen and it, it automatically went to, uh yeah so, fourteen no it's a fourteen terabyte like for seven hundred bucks you can get a fourteen terabyte Seagate drive. <laughs> it's just how how big is this, from Amazon? what's Samsung solid state drive from Amazon? Oh that's a four terabyte, that that's a thousand bucks. That's a solid state drive, so that makes sense why it's pricey. I mean I know th- I know that's gonna come down, but it's just it's just amazing how how expensive these are. But yeah, you can get sixteen gigabyte hard drives in- yeah. It, it's just it's like what? There's just it, it it's it's just insane. Oh, man. But also, stuff has gotten so much huge. I mean, like, Red Dead Redemption 2 is apparently 100 gigs. As is Halo 5. <laughs> so, so there's that. Sorry, going off on this hard drive tangent, but just amazing how, how big hard drives used to be and how small, how like, how big... Um, half a terabyte, like 500 gigs was like, holy crap, that's huge, and how that's actually got down. I think there's a reason why they put a lot of computational and world-related stuff. Because some of the images don't look that amazing today compared to how it looked back then. Uh, they don't look that as amazing as they could be. They look good, but they still aren't that big. I mean, you know, it's just how it is. It's almost disappointing me to me in a way of... Um, uh geez, what example am I gonna go with how um how forza six is like fifty gigabytes of download and and it's not that that uh crazy great looking it's pretty good looking, but it's definitely the way they've put their energy and time on stuff was like stuff that didn't matter. Like, you could still have flat characters in the stands watching a race. Like, as long as you made them look good from one angle, it'd angle be fine. But. Let's finish off that. Let's go on. Uh, keep going. Uh, more stuff to look forward to in 2019. More podcast episodes and hopefully, hopefully, video co- podcast episodes and hopefully live streams and stuff like that. Um, also, more va- great video games for all the systems: Play- PC, Switch, Xbox, PlayStation. We all want to have fun, and uh, console wars are kind of over. Like everybody should buy what they like and should have fun on it all, and. You know, unfortunately, there are exclusives on some, but you know, basically, whatever you pick, you should have fun with. You should have fun with. Like, there should be great on everything. Uh, more decentralization of the media and other media systems, such as payment systems. Um, Patreon is now pretty much the only one who does uh, what that does, and they should definitely break that. And there should be more groups that do what Patreon does uh, to compete with it. Uh, Rage Two and Doom Eternal. I think they're supposed to come out next year. I don't know if Bethesda confirmed that or not. I know Rage Two is coming out this year in two thousand nineteen. I mean, but I don't know about doing it. Doing Eternal, it would be cool. Be cool. And finally, more optimism for the future. Even though Trump is president, and there might be a <sighs> crazy liberal and crazy progressive in the wings of uh, the Democratic leadership in the United States, and maybe there's some bad people out in uh, out in Europe and out in. Asia and out in the middle east let's let's hope that that doesn't happen let's let's just hope pray and you know be optimistic about the future there is there's you know there's a lot of smart people trying to fix the world and a lot of those smart people are not wasting their time on social bullshit they're just straight on saying like here, I'm gonna make sure that in 20 years we can actually have nuclear fusion. Here's a better way to build a nuclear power plant. Here's a better way. Here's a better solar panel. Here's a better wind farm idea. Let's hope that those people are the ones in charge in the future, or maybe not in charge, but at least like directing us. Say like, who cares if you're a man or a woman? Let's just get this project done so we can all have a better world going forward. I think that's I think that's what's going to happen. I think a lot of this. Identitarian politics is slowly going to drift off into space again as how it sort of showed up with this crazy whimper in the mid-2010s. I think it's going to disappear, and I think the decade of the 2010 decade is going to end with identitarianism losing and more rational... more broad-spoken uh, stuff that more people can understand and not be seen as a separator, but more of a joining platform on both sides, hopefully will come out. So that's that's my take. That's my uh, hope for the optimistic future. Anyway, thank you for listening to episode 20, uh, Rancid Tofu 2018 from Stories of the Crisper Drawer. <coughs> we will see you in 2019, early 2019, hopefully, and hopefully not too long after that. We will you'll be able to watch a video podcast of this episode. Anyway, that's pretty much it. Uh, this is Jaws signing off. Thanks for listening. Bye.